The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. I am so honored to be here with you this morning, and I want to take a personal word of thanks to John for the invitation to, to preach this morning. Uh, when you get to be 78 years old, you don't get the chance very often to preach anymore, and I'm very grateful for this opportunity. As we come to think on God's Word this morning, let us pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I was 27 years old. I was the Archbishop of the Bolivar Peninsula. I was riding high. It was so good that the board had allocated enough money to hire someone to help during the summer months to run a special youth program. And so, I went up to Lon Morris College, where a number of young men were studying and whose hopes were to become Methodist preachers. And there I met a young man named Steve. Steve was a sophomore. He was very handsome. He had charisma. He had everything. And before I left Lon Morris, I hired Steve to come and work at Bayview the following summer with our youth program. It was a terrific success. I mean, it was better than even I had hoped for. And so I, I, I just felt like, wow, you know, th this is a situation where nothing can go wrong, and, and nothing did. And God prospered that ministry really in some very, very wonderful ways. Steve and I became personal friends. As time went on, he finished his degree in college and got married. And I went on to another location other than the Crystal Beach, Port Bolivar location. And the day came that Steve wanted to go to seminary. Now, seminary was not cheap. It's, it's not cheap now for sure, but it, it wasn't cheap even back then. 
and Steve's family was not willing to help him. And so <clears throat> Steve asked me if he could borrow $5,000 to start seminary at SMU. Now, you have to understand that my yearly salary at that point was $6,000. Steve was asking for almost a whole year's salary. Wow. And so after a lot of prayer, I said, okay. And I signed the papers for him to borrow $5,000 against my $6,000 salary. And Steve and his wife moved into the dormitory there at Perkins School of Theology and got off to a great start. But about six weeks into the semester, Steve's wife called me and said, do you know where Steve is? No. She said, I don't either. He's disappeared. Oh, my God. I have to confess to you, my first thought was the $5,000. <laughs> I guess I should have been worried about Steve, but I was worried about how I was going to pay that debt. Well, the days went by, and none of us heard from Steve. He simply disappeared. And believe it or not, that mean old bank made me start paying $100 a month forever. I would just have to tell you that I did not have good feelings toward my friend Steve. And yet, to be honest with you, that was nothing compared to the story that was read from the Scripture this morning about Joseph. I mean, here is a story about a young man the youngest son of his family, who was a spoiled brat, but his brothers took him and sold him as a slave to go to Egypt. And they told their daddy, a big whopper, that a lion had killed Joseph. Wow. 
Can you imagine if you had been Joseph, what would have you been thinking? It's hard for me to put myself there. And yet, as we come upon the story in today's lesson, years have come and gone, and Joseph is no longer a slave. By a happen chance, he happened to be able to help Pharaoh to interpret some dreams, and he became Pharaoh's right-hand man. There was a terrible famine that swept through the Middle East, not just simply Egypt, but all of the Middle East. And Joseph, this man that had been sold into slavery, was the prime minister of Egypt. Now, I wish I could tell you that my story had a happy ending like that. But unfortunately, I just ended up another preacher. But the famine had hit the whole area. And Joseph's family, like other families, had no food. And so Joseph's father sent his sons to Egypt to see if they could buy some food. And when they got there, Joseph recognized his brothers. Now, I just have to tell you that they better be glad it wasn't me. Because, you know, with, with Steve, I, I could have killed him and told God he died. But I'm here to tell you, if, if, if I'd been sold into slavery and gone through all that he went through, I, I, I'm afraid that uh, my attitude would have been not as good as Joseph's. He recognized his brothers. And so the story goes that he is able to forgive what they have done and is able to provide his family with food. Wow. You know, I have often stood in awe of Joseph. How in the world did he forgive his brothers? I can tell you I know enough to know it wasn't easy. Because I, I remember the struggles that I was going through when I was paying that $100 a month to the bank. And finally, one of my good friends said to me one day, W.C., do you pray the Lord's Prayer? Well, I thought that was a strange thing for one preacher to ask another preacher. And I said, well, yeah. 
And he said, then do you know, have you ever stopped to think that you're praying for God not to forgive your sins? I said, you're kidding. He said, what do you think Jesus meant when he said in teaching us to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us? <gasps> wow. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, I'd been able to say the Lord's Prayer since I was five years old. But it was my friend who made me stop and say, whoa, am I praying for God not to forgive my sin? You know, in the Gospel of Matthew, there are just some powerful, powerful words. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, we find these words. Again, Jesus speaking. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Hmm. Now, the Presbyterians say debts, and I understand that. <laughs> but I think probably the best translation is if we forgive those who sin against us, then God will be open to forgive our sins. You know, it, it, it's, it's amazing what, what really the Bible has to say to us when, when we, you know, we think we have heard what it has to say and we, we really haven't. In the fifth chapter of Matthew, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to men of old, you shall not kill, and whoever kills shall not be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother shall be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool shall be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus really said those things. I'm not making that up. And so, this morning, what I have to say to all of us, including me, is that the number one reason for learning to forgive is so that God can forgive us. 
You know, I've got a lot in 78 years that God needs to forgive. And so I have had to learn to put my pride behind me and to pray for forgiveness not only for myself, but for those who have sinned against me. And the number two reason that forgiveness is so important is that if we don't learn to forgive, my friends, hate is like cancer. It will eat us alive. Hate is powerful. And it destroys not the person you hate, but you. If you've read any of my books that I've written, you, you know that, that I had a very bad run-in with the district superintendent a while back. And, um, you know, I... Um, I, I, I took it very seriously when he told me that I was, he considered me to be incompetent and ineffective. Those are very, very hard words to forgive. You, you remember that little thing we used to say as kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's a lie. You know, words have hurt me far more than sticks and stones. When, when we have really been hurt, when we have gone through a divorce, when we've had a dear friend sp spread a lie about us, when we have had something precious stolen from us, those are not things that are just easy to wipe away. And it was not easy to forgive my district superintendent. It took me two years. It took me two years of counseling and working and praying diligently. But I'm happy to be able to tell you this morning I have not forgotten what he did, but I have forgiven. And the last time I saw him, I shook hands and wished him well. And so, my friends, I would say to you what I have said to myself, that as we struggle to forgive others who have really hurt us, Learn how valuable it is to pray. Whether it be on your knees or sitting or standing, it doesn't matter. But learn to pray.
and learn how much God loves you. You know, believe it or not, I was once a skinny kid. <laughs> I went to my 50-year class reunion a number of years ago, and, and one of the girls was standing at the top of the steps of the Elegante Hotel, and she said in a voice that you could have heard, invite her, well, little skinny W.C. Hall turned out to be a fat old man. And he did. But it's okay. It's okay, my friends, because I learned back then a very important lesson that God loves skinny kids as much as He loves football players. I learned that it doesn't matter what you look like. What matters is that God loves me and you and claims us as His children. And so, how do you know? How do you know when you've forgiven those who have done you wrong? Because most of us will never be in the shape that, that Joseph was in to bring food to his family. But I just want to share with you a personal word. You know... Because when you wake up in the morning, you don't even think about what you were mad at the person about. You know you've worked through it. When you are able to get out of bed and know God has made me in His image, and given me the greatest gift of all, the gift of life. And in that life, what makes life worth living? The gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. And so, my friends, I share with you the story of Joseph. And my story and I hope your story, because each of us is precious in God's sight. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, in the day in which we live, there is so much hatred, there is so much bitterness, Help us, Lord, to love one another like you love us. And help us, Lord, to forgive one another that we might live as your faithful children. For we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.